Three, two, one. Welcome to the David the Dog Trainer podcast, episode 134, I think. Yep. Is that what we're on? It is. All right. Here we are. Little bit of a little bit of a delay. We didn't have an episode out for you guys yesterday. Just got back from Connecticut visiting some family. So we're just playing some catch up out this way in the Ohio land. Oh, the yeah. The Cleveland. The Cleveland land. The Cleveland land. <laughs> uh, Josh, what is what's new? <sighs> uh, not much to report. Uh, shot a bunch of fall menus the last week and a half that we've been uh, away from each other. Uh, Pioneer just uh, just posted a reel. Pioneer's got a fall menu. Yeah, they got a fall cocktail menu. A little, a little spooky. Are you are you in the fall mode yet? I am not. You're not. I'm 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 trying. I'm holding on to summer still. You are okay. So I'm I'm good with it being. I think yesterday was officially the first day of fall. And yesterday felt like a fall day. It's chilly. I've been wearing, been wearing the jackets yeah. lately, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling in the fall spirit right now. So yeah, I'm ready to roll. I know. I need to get there. We we just I bought I bought some uh, special K pumpkin spice limited edition. Special K pumpkin spice. Yeah, it was really good. Sounds pretty calorie dense. It wasn't. <laughs> it's not too bad. Yeah. Because, well, because I only, I use a serving size. <laughs> Instead of the whole bowl, like Serving I usually did. Serving sizes. I like it. Yeah, and it looks really small and pitiful, but... Right. Isn't it sad when you look down at, like, what a serving size of food, like, what a suggested serving size is, <laughs> and then, like, you look at it, and you're just like, this is two bites. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's two bites. We got those little peanut butter-filled pretzels. You know, those things yeah. are so fucking good. I have a, right? I have a tub. And same deal. Like, I'll put it on the scale, and it's like, whatever, 30 grams of them, and you pour it out, and it's like seven of them. Yeah. And, like, you really look at it. It's like, well, seven is seven, right? That's, I guess, a decent amount for, like, a tiny snack. But, yeah. dude, I used to sit there and house, dude. like, an entire thing of those. Dude, you would you would bring them into the office, yeah. and you and I would <laughs> just take house the whole container. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't just have one, you know. That's no, that's no. how they get you. That's why I stay away from Oreos now. A serving size oh. of Oreos is, I think, one or two Oreos or something it, like that. It's like two hundred calories, dude. Yeah, it's bananas. <laughs> uh, okay, I have a question for the audience. This is the first mm. time I think I'll ever have asked for audience participation here. Ooh, I need a question from everybody, or I need a I need an answer. I should say from everybody that listens to this. Okay. So I've had two people now. I think only two people that have. Um, made comments about the audio quality from the podcast, basically saying that there's it's it's too up and down, right? It's either really, really loud or really, really quiet, and that it's really, really dramatic and makes listening to it very challenging, basically, in a nutshell, right? Huh. Listen, I... I listen back to most of these episodes, not all of them, but I would say a large chunk of them. I'll put in my car. I'll listen back to it. Anytime somebody says that, I put it on on my phone and I'm like scrolling through, seeing if it's anything crazy. And like, listen, I'm not a fucking audio engineer, guys. I'm sorry. (laughs) I would love for this to be like Joe Rogan audio experience, fucking audio quality, (laughs) but that ain't me. I don't know that much about it. So I try to try to finagle the levels a little bit we got a little compressor on this which is supposed to make it so it's not you know spiking too much in either direction mm-hmm. um but basically my question for everybody is is the audio that bad where i do need to seriously look at getting somebody to help me out with this audio and make it more manageable for people i'm taking a poll on it i respect all of the questions i get from everybody here and the suggestions i get from everybody here um, so I'm, I'm taking a poll on what you guys think of the audio quality. Let me know. 
Yeah. Please let us know. Please I, let us know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it because I listen to it in my stu- you know studio headphones and sounds great. I'm not saying it's perfect. Yeah. Right? It's, like, it's listen, not. there's always room for improvement. I, in my music days, was a big, big stickler on the audio quality of our songs that we would put out. So I understand wanting things in a high quality. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The only the only thing I can think of is sometimes we do get a little quiet. But I don't yeah, think yeah. we go I don't think we're going like ah you know, I don't I don't think it gets too loud. Even you know, <laughs> I and the one thing is uh like our, our Zoom guests. I mean mm-hmm. especially like the dog daddy episode. It was, you know, he was in a <laughs> freaking cave. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was so accurate. So, so yeah, that that one's tough, but I think for the most part still like with the compressor through the the program, I I thought it sounded good, but Well, we'll see what we get. Listen, if yeah. if if I get a majority consensus that the audio is is needs some tweaking, I will hire an audio engineer to come in here and teach me how to fix this. I'm just trying to avoid spending that money if possible. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know how it is. We ain't yeah. got ads on this bitch that's paying for it. Exactly. So <laughs> Let's just have to get Steve to come here and babysit us one time. Yeah, right. All right. Just sit here and <laughs> tell us what we're doing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of podcasts, um, I've been on a lot of podcasts in the last couple of weeks. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You know, ever since that, like, third, we talked about the 30 under 30 thing that I got. Ever since that, I've been getting a lot of people just asking me to be on podcasts. So cool. um, not, <laughs> and this is where you get into, like, how much more organized people are than I am. Like, most of these podcasts, everybody, I'm like, all right, yeah, so when's it coming out? Because we always release ours the following week, right? And they're yeah. like, like, the, the last one, I did this one, I was on um, this podcast called The Lay of the Land, which is, like, a local Cleveland podcast podcast that does he does like entrepreneurs and stuff super cool podcast and this guy was so freaking detailed with like his questions and shit that he had um yeah. it, it, it turned out to be a really great conversation i asked him i was like when's this one gonna be live he's like yeah well i've got a backlog of them right now so i'm thinking like sometime like mid-november i was like mid-november jeez <laughs> jesus christ it's <laughs> a heck of a backlog son yeah so Ooh. come mid-november look out for the fucking lay of the land dave of the dog trainer podcast coming out <laughs> collaboration at your face right before christmas That's see this good. is where right we just got loud right there so you guys tell me was that was that too much was that too much i'll back it off a little maybe maybe what i need to do is as i get loud i need to start going like this I don't know. Start bringing it back in like this. Okay. okay. Right? That's why we wear these headphones. <laughs> yeah. Microphone management. This is another thing we learned back in the music days. You yeah. as a vocalist should know oh, yeah. this, right? It's it's they always yell at you, don't talk into the microphone yeah. like this. Nope. Or remember when you used to like to do the oh, yeah. I gotta do it like this. The, the cup. I gotta cup it from the side. <laughs> you gotta speak directly into the right, microphone. Dude, I, Listen, I know this, I know a little bit about this yeah. stuff. I hated the cup guys. The the side cup. Yeah, do the side cup. They always have backwards hats, too, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Tangent. So, so Lay of the Land podcast, I was on that one. Okay. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, I was on another podcast called The Guiltless Podcast, which is another local podcast. That one's more of like a hangout and just chit-chat kind of podcast, right? I think I've heard of them. So, I, I was on that podcast once, like a year and a half or two years ago. So, you guys can actually go watch the first episode. Search The Guiltless Podcast. And then if you search my name, David Turpak, you'll find the first episode that I did with them. Uh, great episode. Real loose hangout. 
you know, like barely any actual dog talk. It was more just like yeah. we're hanging out, chit-chatting, right? okay. which was cool. It was a great yeah. episode. And the follow-up episode was pretty similar to that. We got a little bit more into, you know, some of the like social media side of things and, and talking about, you know, funny comments we get and, and all that kind of stuff. Good, good podcast. So did that one. That one also is not out yet. I think that'll be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, episode two. So go watch episode one now. Follow along, right? Whatever. And then just... um. Just yesterday, yesterday or the day before? No, fuck. Friday. Just Friday. <laughs> um, I was asked to be on um, Jeff Gelman's podcast. Oh. The Wake the Fuck Up with Jeff show. We actually <laughs> oh. just posted a clip of it yesterday. Um, that one, he said he's he, he said that one will be formally coming out sometime this week that you guys will be able to watch. He said he wasn't totally sure if he was going to use it for his morning show or use it as like a separate podcast he's doing, uh, but that will be coming out soon. That was an awesome conversation too. You know what? Listen, j- d- today's like, this is like a recap episode. We're just talking about a lot of stuff, yeah. right? Um, I feel bad, right? Because I was talking to, to my wife about this the other day, right? I feel bad because Jeff gets so much shit. So much. He gets so much shit, man. He like does. and and I like I feel like people like whether it's cuz they're scared to or whether it's because they genuinely don't like what he does or whatever, like people are just like so quick to shoot him down and like say negative things about him, but they're not like but but nobody like ever like kind of stands in his corner with things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying you got to be like, oh, team fucking Jeff. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm a Jeff fanboy, and like I got to defend him against his fucking haters and this and that. But that dude is so nice. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just a he's a kind individual. Like yeah. like I like I did this podcast with him. We was I think it was maybe like an hour and a half long conversation or something like that. And for like ten minutes before we started the podcast. We're just talking. He's asking me questions and like, you know, like he like remembered things that we had talked about from like seven years ago when like, like I've only met the guy a couple of, I think I met him like three or four times, something like that. Right. Yeah. And he like remembered things from conversations we had like seven or eight years ago, you know, <laughs> it was like asking me questions yeah. about them. And then we finished the podcast and same deal. Like he's just asking me, but he's just like genuinely interested in like the business and how I'm doing. And like, you know, like, I mean, it's like, like just, just talking and like, it actually hit a point where I'm like, damn, like I got some shit I got to go to. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I would love to sit here and talk, but like I yeah. got some stuff I got to do, but like, and he's like, you know, he's like telling me, he's like, man, like in just like a genuine way, like, like he's got nothing to gain out of this. He's like, you know, like I'm just like really proud of like all of you been able to accomplish over the years and stuff. And it was just like, it was just super nice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like honestly, like it's, it was super nice and it kills me because this is where I'm kind of going with this, right? Like this dog industry is just so fucked sometimes, right? Like everybody's just so quick to be like, fuck this guy, fuck this guy. This person's a piece of shit. I don't like this guy, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And and we forget that like, these are all people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like like in people that genuinely care. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And And to try to act like any of these people, whether it's the extremes of Jeff Gelman and the fucking dog daddy, or, you know, Zach George and Susan Garrett and, like, all these force-free people and stuff like that, to act like any of them, like, at their core are genuinely bad people that are doing malicious bad things, it, it, 
it just kind of it just rubs me the wrong way sometimes. Mm. And, and it's tough because, like, listen, we've done these podcasts before where it's like, you know, we could go off on a tangent. And like when I see Zach George sending people to go fucking, you know, uh, go out and like attack these other people and stuff. Like, yeah, I'm I'm the first to try to stand in that person's corner and be like, yo, like you got to pump the brakes. That's really not cool what you're doing. Or, you know, like I've done podcast episodes where like I've talked about like, you know, guys like Larry Crone where like I do strongly disagree with some of the things that they're preaching and saying. But I, you know, or or Beckman, right? Beckman's a big one where like, dude, people to this day still comment on the fucking video. We did the reaction video mm-hmm. where they were like, yeah, you know, like you, you, whatever, just 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 all like like defending him and, and, mm-hmm. and saying, I don't know what I'm talking about and this and that. But I, I even try to catch myself and I try to make it very apparent to the people that listen to the podcast. Nothing I'm ever saying in any of these things is a personal attack on somebody's character, mm-hmm. right? I, I truly not believed. I truly uh, what I said. I truly blank what I said meant. meant. <laughs> My brain's not working today. <laughs> I truly meant what I said when I was uh, talking to the guys on the Dog Trainers podcast, when I was asking them about like Larry Crone and Tom Davis and people like that, who again, I've been vocal about things that I disagree with them. I truly meant what I said when I said, I do still think those people really, really genuinely care about dogs and want to help people and have definitely really good qualities that they're bringing to the industry, right? And any of my critiques of them are more the dog trainer rambling of like, hey, let's challenge ourselves to understand things more deeply and uh, and and enhance these qualities more or things like that, right? And people can like look at me probably and say, oh, you're a fucking hypocrite, David. You don't actually think that, blah, blah, blah. But I do, right? Uh, yeah. Beckman, right? Like I actually, he, I told you like we, I listened to his the Dog Daddy podcast that he did when he had the Dog Daddy on the podcast. And I thought he did a really good job with that interview. Mm -hmm. And then I listened to his episode he did right after that where he was talking about that whole debacle, right? Mm -hmm. And he said something really interesting that I really, really, really liked, right? He was talking about it and he's like, listen, you know, I just think that everybody from all sides of the spectrum needs to like, I I think he said needs to just kind of turn the temperature down a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like we're all getting, this is getting really out of hand with everybody trying to like attack everybody, and bring everybody down. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think we need to turn the temperature down with it because he was saying like, I, he genuinely feels like if we don't, like, like we're dealing with people, like somebody is going to get hurt. Whether, whether yeah. emotionally, Right, whether their business is going to get destroyed over hate and stuff like that, mm-hmm. or whether in person at one of these fucking protests people are organizing that some lunatic goes and does something like actually really bad, like we just got to turn the temperature down a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. I gotta catch my breath for a second. <laughs> I'm losing the momentum of this yeah. this, uh, this really important speech I'm making. It's okay. And you know what? That resonated with me so much. I actually reached out to him. After I listened to that podcast episode and I just sent him a message on Instagram and I just said, listen, man, I was like something in a nutshell of like, you know, I was listening to your podcast episode you did with Dog Daddy and your follow up episode where you're talking about bringing the temperature down and everything getting super out of hand in the dog industry. And I actually reached out to him to tell him and listen, he probably doesn't give a fuck about me. Right. Mm -hmm. But I just said, listen, you know, like I've been critical of some of the stuff 
that you've posted in the past. I've talked about it before on the podcast episode. And just like we all have kind of admitted, sometimes we can get a little fired up in the heat of the moment having fun with things. Mm -hmm. But I just want to let you know that I have absolutely nothing against you, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I think you're helping dogs. I think you're doing good work. You know, even my critiques and stuff of you, even through all of that, like, I don't think you're doing anything bad. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I, yeah. I, I have a lot of respect for what you've been able to create for yourself in the mm-hmm. dog world, right? Yeah. And however that was received, like, he messaged back. He's just like, and I think I even said, like, hey, I'd love to have a conversation with you at some point, which I, I would be welcome to, obviously, having him on and talking to him. And I think he just messaged back, and he's like, yeah, no sweat. Don't worry about it. You know, appreciate you reaching out and listening and stuff like that. And that just kind of felt good to kind of just put that out there. Of, mm-hmm. Guys, listen, none of this stuff is, is we're all people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we're all people. We're all trying to do the best that we can. We're all trying to help people. And we all have our own spin on it. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. It's true. (laughs) You you talk for me. I got to catch my breath. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I 100% agree. And I think that's what, you know, we over the last few episodes about this whole dog daddy and, you know, Zach George drama is that, we've talked about you shouldn't be so the, the 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 separation between the different ways that people train you know it's like either you're with you're in the boat or you're you're off the boat like yeah. there's no no bridge there's no gap like the gap is widening and there's no bridge to get to each, either side to have a civil conversation at this point yeah it feels like it's like as soon as you say well i use an e-collar i use a prong collar well they're just gonna cut you off you know mm-hmm. and so i think that's what from the very beginning of this podcast is we've just been trying to have great conversations and and see what the difference is in training and yeah there's critiques along the way of course but like you said it, it, we never ever have done anything in a malicious like way or content you know mm-hmm. i think it's always to to learn more yeah. And that's always been the point of this podcast is to learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So I say all that to say, like, I think the moral of all of it is, like, listen, we're all guilty of this. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I'm sure, you know, like, I, I've said it before. My very first reaction thing I ever did when I did of Tom Davis, like, you know, again, in the heat of the moment, like, you get a little fired up and be like, ah, oh, that is fucking stupid. Like, that thing you're doing, like, I really don't like or whatever it may mm-hmm. be. And though I stand behind my critiques that I have... I just, I I really want to make it clear to people that, like, it's okay to have critiques and criticisms of stuff. Just know that there's no, there's no, like, thinking people are bad people. You know what I mean? Like, I've got so much love and respect for everybody that's making a name for themselves out there in this industry and people who are kind of staying in their lane, doing good work, helping people. And though, again, we might disagree on methods and concepts and stuff like that, if we could all at least know in the back of our mind that there is like a respect for what we're trying to do, uh, I think we're all going to be way better off from it, you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. So all that to say, I did the podcast episode with Jeff and and that's what I got out of doing that episode. It was a great interview and it was really cool because Jeff is somebody in the past that I've looked up to, you know, like early on in the training. Like he's been around for, you know, 15, 20 years in the dog world. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's cool to, to be on a show and, and have a good conversation with him and him him be, uh, you know, curious about some of the things that we're doing now at this point. And, um, 
you know, I, I, I thought that was really cool. And I, I had a lot of respect for, for how much he seemed like he genuinely cared. You know, he's, he's a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so did that one. Um, we're supposed to have an episode with the Dog Trainers podcast that I'm supposed to be on. We tried to film it one time. And uh, the program that they use crashed like halfway through the podcast. And we, weren't <laughs> able to, we weren't able to finish it. So we're supposed to uh, redo that episode, I think, tomorrow, maybe. Oh, nice. um, so a lot of podcasts coming out there, a lot of interesting stuff. And I think each one of them is going to tap into or has tapped into a different side of the conversation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some are a little more loose of just like, hey, this is me as a person, right? Yeah. Some of them are a little bit more <laughs> me speaking from a, hey, this is how I grew my company. Um, some are, are, are uh, you know, from, from the business standpoint. Some are looking at it from the standpoint of like how we've been able to provide, you know, what we would refer to as like really, you know, A quality uh, training uh, yeah. and, and service for people, right? Yeah. And, and how do we help mold the experience of the dog training journey at Miracle Canine Training? Um, and, uh, some like the dog trainers podcast, I think is going to dive a little bit more into like the big picture, like the dog industry as a whole, you know? Mm. Um, so there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out there for you guys here over the next, uh, couple of months, you know, as far as podcasts and stuff are concerned. Yeah. When's the, did you say tomorrow's when the Jeff one goes live or? No, he said sometime this week it should be coming out. He didn't know exactly when. I think his idea was because he usually does his, his morning podcast live every morning. Mm-hmm. So I think he said he'll probably use this to fill in on one of the days where he doesn't have like a good topic to go over or something. Okay. He'll put it out there then. Yeah, that's so cool. We, uh, we posted, we, we have some clips going up of it this week. He sent me over the, uh, the video file for it and stuff. And we've been able to make some clips nice. um, that are going to be going live here. So you guys can kind of see some of that. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Yeah, it's cool. I'm really excited for, to hear that one. Yeah, it was a, it was a solid one. Okay, so past that, what do we got here? How far in are we already? Twenty one minutes. You did, you had a big speech. Hot damn! After all these podcasts, your uh, lung capacity is going to be <sighs> I know, way up seriously. there, <laughs> dude. The the last one that I did, that lay of the land one. Yeah, I had like two bottles of water, right? And mm. I'm just like fucking slugging this water over the course of this podcast because, like, I feel like with some people that I talked to, like this guy was just like. Boom, 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 mm. questions, you know? Yeah. And like, I was like, felt like I needed to answer them super rapidly. And I'm just talking so much. And it's like every three minutes, I'm like, God, oh, my throat's getting dry. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. We gotta, gotta stay. If you're a podcaster out there, stay hydrated. Stay, yes. Stay hydrated. 100%. You don't want those, you don't want those vocal cords wearing out on you. Nope. Okay. So we got a couple questions. We got two big questions here. This is how we're going to kind of, we're going to, we're going to take these two questions and we're going to turn them into overarching topics that we're going to kind of just rant on a little bit here. Give and it, I think it. it'll make for uh, some interesting, um, interesting conversation. Cool. Right? We're going to start with this first one because I think this one is going to have probably the most to talk about on it. Let's see. So this person asked on YouTube. They said, I sincerely mean this. What is your response to people who have had negative experiences with balanced dog trainers? Do you believe there is the risk of fallout with what balanced training does? And if so, do you believe it's rare? I'm unsure of what side of the training spectrum I lean towards, but my dog's experiences with balanced training made his aggression worse. I am totally willing to admit that he's probably an anomaly, but it does make me wonder if there are others in a similar boat who are unsure what to do now. 
This is a really, really, and I appreciate how this question was asked because I feel like it was asked in a very inquisitive way of somebody saying, listen, I don't know what's up, but it felt like post my experience working with a balanced dog trainer that my issues got worse after. And I want to know what's up with that, right? Okay. So, and So this is from their like experience. That's what they said is, is, uh, is I'm not sure what side of the training spectrum I lean towards, but my dog's experience with balanced training made his aggression worse. Okay. Right. So this is a great question. And I think that most balanced dog trainers would immediately take this and just shut it down and just be like, no, it didn't make it worse. You're wrong. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't put in the work. Yeah. Yeah. Now listen, do I think that it quote unquote made it worse? I don't know. I don't know your, I, you know, I would, I would obviously, as far as this person's individual situation, I would need to know so many details as far as what the issues they were having were mm-hmm. and what they feel like went wrong. Mm-hmm. And then I would need to know more details about the actual training that happened so I could dictate what went wrong. Mm-hmm. Then from there, I would be able to come up with a consensus. Now, what have I experienced that I could, I could, I could make people aware of that I would say, kind of can go hand in hand with this as far as why people think that balanced dog training sometimes can make things worse and why I think a lot of force-free trainers say that balanced dog training has the risk of fallout and can make things worse, right? Well, first we would have to understand at what point do people generally hire a dog trainer? What types of things do dog trainers generally instruct owners to try to do? And what could give the perception of something getting worse, Mm -hmm. right? So let's start off with when people generally hire dog trainers. Mm -hmm. So I talk a lot about dog trainers are generally going to be hired around the age of eight months to two years old. I would say if we were going to look at a medium or median of um, dogs that we work with in the age that they're at when they start training, it would be in that range. Now, why is it generally in that range? It's generally in that range because that is when the dog is going through a fear period and maturity, right? Mm -hmm. So between their fear periods, between their maturity cycle, them coming into their own, generally at the first sign of seeing behavioral issues, the person will reach out and try to hire a trainer. Now, let's say... Worst case scenario happens and you start working with a trainer, a balanced trainer, right? The dog is starting to show baseline signs of aggression. You work with a balanced dog trainer and either you as the owner don't put in the work, right? Mm -hmm. The trainer sucks and gives you bad advice, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Any combination of the two of them. And for whatever reason, you leave the experience saying, well, that didn't work, right? in a lot of cases can wind up happening is that just due to coincidence of your dog's age when you started your training, right? And the fact that if you do training in a, a bad way, and this is whether it's positive or, or negative, right? Whether it's balance, whether it's forfeiture, whatever it is, and you're not effectively doing the training, what happens is you create more frustration, right? Mm-hmm. And where does aggression or anxiety or things like that generally come from? They come from a place of frustration. So it's not necessarily the balanced training made it worse. In some cases, it could be coincidence of the training didn't work and you tried to do the training right in the middle of the dog's fear period or maturity cycle where the dog is progressively moving through the cycle of their behavior is escalating and intensifying. And just due to shit timing of when the training takes place, once you stop the training, 
the behavior continues to escalate towards what it would have done whether you had done balance training or not. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? So you're doing the training right in the middle of their behavior starting to get worse. And if it's a spectrum of, let's say with no training intervention, it's going to go from here to here, Mm -hmm. right? And you start the training right in the middle of it and the training doesn't work, well, the behavior is going to continue to escalate to here, which we could look at from the spectrum of, well, I tried balance training, it didn't work, and then my behavior got worse after balance dog training, where in actuality, whether you did the training or not, it probably would have got worse, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I think that's one big area in which people don't really realize is 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 that. Yeah. Right? Now let's look at the next thing of what do trainers, particularly balanced trainers, instruct you to do, right? Generally speaking, as balanced dog trainers, we are going to instruct you to try to tackle your issues pretty head on, mm-hmm. right? If you're having issues with reactivity. We've got to go in the places where you're having the reactivity to work on it, right? Mm -hmm. If you're having aggression issues towards guests coming over, we have to work your dog in the presence of those types of things, et cetera, et cetera, right? And getting back to, if you do your training improperly and you're trying to address those things head on, what's going to happen is repeatedly over and over and over again, your dog is going to rehearse the unwanted behavior because you're not avoiding it anymore. Yeah, I think people pro- or prior to training, right, or when they're trying to do a force-free approach, we'll say, right, uh, everything is about management. And I think a lot of people mm-hmm. do a very good job of managing their dog's unwanted behaviors, primarily with reactivity and aggression. They yeah. know where their dog reacts, so they don't go to those places. Mm-hmm. They know where their dog acts aggressively, so they don't put those dogs in those situations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And... You know, you kind of play this catch-22, which is, well, force-free trainers will tell you you always need to work your dog under threshold, which basically means manage your dog forever and slowly try to increase your dog's threshold to things, which we've talked many, many times on this podcast before about, I don't really think you're ever going to get to a place where you don't have to manage those issues doing it that way. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're ever going to increase their threshold to a point where they're going to be tolerant of those types of situations, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So you could either say, all right, well, I'm just not going to do balanced dog training and I'm just going to manage and avoid situations forever or I'm going to try a force-free approach and basically still what you're doing is managing and avoiding situations forever, right? Or I'm going to try a balanced dog training approach and I'm going to try to tackle these things head on. Mm -hmm. And as you put your dog in the situation where you try to address those things head on, if you don't do it properly, you don't stop the behaviors as you need to, you don't give good enough guidance, what happens is your dog gets more frustrated because you're trying to give them guidance in this kind of escalated situation and it's not working, right? Mm -hmm. And the dog rehearses the behavior more because this is the first time they've ever been put in those types of situations before, Yeah, right? Because you've just avoided them forever, right? So you wouldn't have seen the issue. So same deal. Let's say the training isn't done well, right? Um, You don't get the, the support and the guidance you need from your trainer, right? and you're now putting your dog in all of these situations they were never put in before, Mm -hmm. you're going to see more problems than you've ever seen before, Mm -hmm. which again would put you in a position where the training made it worse. Yeah. That makes sense? Yep. So I think that's thing number two that will commonly happen in these situations is your dog is exposed to more triggers because you're trying to actively work on them. And if you don't address it properly, your dog's behavior will intensify because they're experiencing it more, because they're rehearsing it more. And in a lot of cases, aggression and reactivity is self-reinforcing. So if they're rehearsing it and they're getting away with it, what Mm -hmm. winds up happening is um, the behavior gets stronger. Yeah. Right, because it's self-reinforcing. Of course. So that's thing number two. 
Thing number three, right? There is a large percentage of dogs out there that do not like being told what to do, right? And if you look at, by its nature, the force-free approach of dog training, right? The force-free approach of dog training is the dog always has to be a willing participant to the training, right? Mm. Which means the dog's never doing anything because they know they have to do it. The dog is never doing anything because they have any sort of respect for you. The dog is only performing the behaviors you want them to perform because they're a willing participant because there's something in it for them to do those things. Mm. Now, again, yes, in a perfect world, if that worked and it accomplished all your goals, mazel tov, right? I'm happy <laughs> for you, right? Yeah. Merry Christmas. Like, like that's, that is great, yeah. right? I'm not, I'm not saying like if it works for you and it achieves the level of training you want, hell yeah, right? Personally, I don't like the idea that I always have to be at the mercy of my dog deciding if they want to listen to me or not. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to be in that position and avoiding things forever, right? Mm-hmm. So because there's a large percentage of dogs out there that don't like being told what to do mm-hmm. in situations where they don't want to do it, what you'll see is some of those dogs <laughs> will have lived their entire life being managed and avoiding situations and never being told what to do, and you don't really experience any problems past your life is extremely inhibited with them. And the first time you start doing training, I think Dog Daddy talks about this in, in, in one of the clips we posted, which is he'll look at a dog and say, ah, I could tell with this dog. The second we try to give it direction, mm-hmm. it's going to try to bite me. Right, or it's oh, going to yeah. try to bite somebody else or whatever it may be, which I completely agree with him. I've seen a million dogs like that before where people come in, and I can think of one in particular, this dog Frankie that we worked with. And um, this dog never bit anybody before, right? Never had any problems. I literally took the leash from the owner in session number one, started walking the dog away from the owner. This is before we even put any training collars or anything on this dog. I literally grabbed the leash and just started walking away from the owner. This dude turned around and started lunging at my face. He bit my sleeve and ripped my coat that I had on. Uh, He's scratching me all over the place and stuff like that. Solely from me grabbing his leash and walking him away from his owner. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm. There are dogs out there that will do that regardless of the type of training you're using. Now, again, because balance training at its core gets down a little bit into the nitty gritty of just kind of making dogs do certain things, like Mm -hmm. making certain things non-optional. Like, yes, like if I need to walk you away from your owner, I need to walk you away from your owner. Mm -hmm. If I need to put you in this crate, you got to get in the crate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, because that happens, what we'll find is that we'll tap into new states of mind that you've never experienced with your dog before because you've always been at the mercy of you do what your dog wants wants them to do. <laughs> or wait, yeah. you do what your dog, dog wants, wants you, you to, to do. do. Yep. Right? So again, you get back to with bad training and bad follow through and bad coaching, right? And I'm not even saying using an e-collar wrong, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not even saying any of that. I'm just saying not enough follow through of when you start to experience something like that. Like let's say an owner experiences that situation that I just described because they tried to make their dog do something Mm -hmm. and their dog's behavior intensified and they tried to bite them or Mm -hmm. something along those lines. Yeah. Um, Without the proper guidance, what's going to wind up happening is you're going to look at that and you're going to be like, well, that definitely didn't work. (laughs) Balanced dog training is definitely making my dog more aggressive when it's not really that balanced dog training made your dog more aggressive. Mm -hmm. It's just that you have a dog that doesn't want to be told what to do. And I look at that as a bigger problem, right? If I've got a dog 
that if I take the leash and walk it away from their owner, it tries to attack a person or tries to bite a person or even, you know, whether he wanted to kill me or not, the fact that he ripped my coat and scratched me up and tried to lunge at my face and stuff like that, that's a bigger problem. Mm -hmm. Sure, we could say, oh, we'll we'll just avoid and manage that. But no, (laughs) that's not okay. You know what I mean? That's a liability of a dog that you have at that point if you can't get past it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's true. So that's the way that I look at this conversation of like, does balanced dog training make behavior worse? I look at it from that lens of like, we could all sit there and say, if we never did the balanced dog training, that that wouldn't have happened. But mm-hmm. like, that's a bigger, that's just a bigger problem to me then at that point. That's not a yeah. problem with the training. That's a problem with the the coaching for the owner of the follow through of like, well, when this happens, this is what you do. When this happens, this is what you do. Yeah. Right? Okay. <clears throat> so that's that's kind of how I look at that. Does that make sense? Do you have any follow-up questions for me on that or areas where you feel like I could I could <clears throat> clarify that more? Uh, I do kind of have a question um, on number one. Uh, so let's say you do I, – I just want to kind of know how you would work through that. So, like, you get a dog in, and I'm sure you could probably realize if it's maybe in this fear period or, you know, that point of maturity or whatever, like – uh, as a trainer, how do you work through that and be like, how would you kind of work with the client to like, hey, this is probably going to scale up a little bit? Like, well, how do the, we work with here's it? the thing, right? If we're doing our job properly, it shouldn't scale, you know, like, yeah. so, so the inter, the training intervention that we do, let's say we're in the middle of the maturity slash fear period. Yeah. Right. The training intervention should stop it from escalating further. Okay. But if you're not giving good enough guidance oh, gotcha. and good enough mm. support, it won't, yeah, right? Because continue. like fear periods, for example, right? It's not that you need to do anything different, right? We expect they're going to happen with dogs. Yeah. But if we have good training, we could guide their behavior as things pop up. So that could be they suddenly start getting scared of trash cans on the walk. Well, if I have good training, I could guide Get them through that and not let them like spiral so far into that state of mind, gotcha. right? But you need to know how to handle your dog on a walk. Yeah. Right, and if you don't, if the trainer didn't do a good enough job educating you on on how to do that, or you're just not doing it, what's going to happen is your dog is going to rehearse that behavior. You're not going to give them the guidance, and then in their mind, boom, that's a threat. Mom didn't do anything to help me. Dad didn't do anything to help me. I need to be scared of those moving forward, and then it gets worse. Gotcha. You get what I'm saying? Yep, I understand. And I think the problem, getting back to the problem with most most um, most dog trainers out there, we just made this post just yesterday. Check this out. So that's a person that just reached out to me randomly. They found her podcast. She wanted to discuss her situation. She's in an eight-week board and train. One five-hour-long send-home lesson, and that's it. I just can't wrap my head around it. How do you think somebody with a serious, serious problematic behavioral issues is going to learn how to be the absolute handler that they need to be in order to help their dog get past that in one single session and not only that a five hour session i just don't i don't understand and i'm sure she spent so much freaking money on an eight-week boarding train for that that is a situation i really don't like to like rap on trainers too much and stuff but that trainer failed that client and there's a very real possibility that if she worked with a good trainer, I'm not saying us, right? I'm just saying somebody that actually is going to invest the time into the owner because the owner is what needs trained, not the dog. There's a very real possibility that this would have went a very, very different way. But unfortunately, now she's been failed by this training company. 
She's too far gone at this point. There's not really an alternative. Your training company, offer more follow-up support. If you think you're offering enough follow-up support right now, you're not, offer more. Okay, so in a nutshell, what that was, was a, a client that reached out to me, right? Not even a client. Somebody reached out to me on Instagram. And they have a dog that they're in a position right now where they're getting ready to put the dog down, right? And this video was like months ago, I think, right? And they're in a, they're in like Kentucky or they're, they're, they're out of state somewhere, yeah. right? They did an eight-week board and train with this dog somewhere, a balanced training company, mm-hmm. right? Because this goes hand in hand with this conversation, right? Yep. A balanced training company and... They did a five-hour-long send-home lesson, and that's it, right? And obviously, the behavioral issues are still there, Yeah. right? And those behavioral issues have continued to intensify post that training simply because of the fact that the dog is continuing to rehearse them, right? And as the dog continues to rehearse them, they continue to get stronger because they're self-reinforcing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we could say the same thing. Well, the board and train made the behavioral issues worse and made the aggression worse. But I don't think that's what happened at all. Mm-mm. I think they did training with the dog and maybe the dog was good for them, but they never coached the owner how to yeah. use the training to stop the behavioral issues. Yeah. And the owners were probably fed this false perception that the dog just needs rehabilitation. And then once the dog is rehabilitated, oh, the dog will be fine. Yeah. And then the dog comes home and is still rehearsing the behaviors, right? And if mm-hmm. anything, is continuing to escalate with them. And a lot of owners, this person didn't say that, but a lot of them would say the same thing that, the person said in the comment, which is post-balanced dog training, my dog's behaviors got worse. But that was just yeah. because it was a shitty structured board and train program. Mm-hmm. There was no education for the owner on how to take that training and roll with it. And if anything, the owner was half-assed trying these new techniques that they were being instructed in their five-hour send-home lesson from a training company. And because they didn't actually know how to do it, because it's a five-hour send-home and the owner is not in a headspace <laughs> to retain that much information <laughs> in a five-hour send-home that's, lesson, that's a lot. you yeah. create more frustration mm-hmm. because you're doing it wrong which then pisses the dog off more. Not big picture. It's not like if, if you know, one week after they did everything wrong, we made all the adjustments we need to, the dog would be worse. They would be fine. But mm-hmm. in the moment when you're trying to stop something and you're not stopping it, it's going to get worse. Oh, yeah. I used, to have, I, used to have, um, I used to have this friend, right, when I was way younger, middle school. Right, like seventh grade. My nose is so itchy right now. Somebody else also yelled at me in the comment section the other day about touching my nose too much during the podcast. <laughs> Sorry about it, guys. They also, they also, I think, said, you're just touching your nose and sniffling in all these podcasts. Guys, I just want you all to know it's fall right now and we're about to hit winter season, which is fucking allergy season and runny nose season. And <laughs> if you guys, I will try to do my best. If I have to sniffle, go. Right. But <laughs> boy, if you guys are already upset about that, <laughs> I'm sorry. Find a new podcast to listen to because oh it's going it's going to get bad. Oh. <laughs> so. So anyways, what the hell was I saying? OK, so I had this friend in like yeah. middle school, right? Like seventh okay. grade. And he was we'll call him a rebellious kid. Right. Okay. And um, I would be at his house sometimes. And this this kid basically just did whatever the hell he wanted to do. Right. Whatever. You know, if you wanted to go somewhere, he was going there. If you wanted something, you know, whatever, you know, it's just there were no rules. Right. It was ruleless. But every now and then his mom would try to tell him what to do every now and then. Right. (laughs) And I remember being in the house when his mom would try to tell him what to do. And it would be like it would turn into like World War Two. Right. Because she'd be yelling. He'd be fucking yelling. Right. It would just boom. It just blew up. (laughs) 
right? <coughs> like a powder keg, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? So, so I equate that to the same thing as people that try to half-ass enforce rules with dogs, right? And, and again, thinking, oh, well, correcting my dog is what, is what made them aggressive. But it's not. Inconsistently correcting your dog and having inconsistent rules and boundaries put you in a position where your dog didn't believe you. So when you actually tried to crack down on something, your mm-hmm. dog said, fuck you, I'm not going to do that, mm-hmm. right? And their behavior intensifies. And we can yep. say balanced dog training made it worse. But in actuality, your dog just doesn't believe you because you're not consistent with your rules. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So all these different variables can lead to, this is why I said, I don't know anything about this person's situation, right? Um, I, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure she, she definitely tried, right, and put in the work. And obviously she's not saying, fuck balanced dog training. She's just saying, I feel like balanced dog training made my dogs worse. Mm-hmm. But there's a very real possibility that all of these variables I'm outlining right now, right? At least a couple of them probably ring true to this situation. For sure. Right? Oh, definitely. So that's that's kind of that in a nutshell. Yeah. Do you have any other questions on that? No, I think the rest were explained really well. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. You're doing, you're doing too good of a job. All right. So next talking point here. Let's see what we got. 45 minutes in. Hot damn. Okay, so this is a cool one. This is a comment that I got on Insta or a message I got on Instagram from somebody who's been listening for a long time and somebody that's asked many questions before that we've answered on this podcast. Okay. And this is kind of a twofold thing because we're going to talk about one thing that I think is really fucking sweet about this mm-hmm. and then we're going to actually answer the question. Right? Okay. Here's a question. I like it. Hi, David. More fan mail here. Thanks again for all the work that goes into creating the podcast. You and Josh are so dedicated and I look forward to every episode. First off, you got a little shout out there. I know. Josh got the shout. That. Did you see the shout out you got on on YouTube somewhat no. recently? Oh man. Oh, I got hold some. on. We're gonna sidebar here and I gotta find this. Hang I've got on. I've got some fans. Let's go. Got some fans. <laughs> I'm sorry I don't talk enough, everybody. Hang on. Give me a second. I do my best. Hang on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. I'm holding. Fill the mic with some sort of noise here. He's looking for my fan mail. Thank you so much. Okay. Oh, he found it. Okay. So this was on the podcast episode we did, When to Call It Quits, Behavioral Euthanasia Part 2, where we talked about like three different client situations that were in like a euthanasia kind of situation. Okay. Yeah. It was a good one. So this person said, I'm bouncing all over your content right now. It's probably because I'm looking for similar experiences and this one has hit home. Can I say that while oh, hang on, ad popping up. Can I say that while Josh is always there, this one really made me see you for the wonderful person you are. Great podcast this effort, guys. Oh shit. Damn. <laughs> Let's, Let's go. go. Yeah. Hey, I try. It's that it's that you got that you got that like I'm in the background, but I got that like kind, caring persona I could put on when I need to. You know what I mean? Yeah. People like that shit. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm a mix of. Uh, you got anything to say for your to your fans, Josh? Uh, thank you, thank you very much. Like I said, uh, sorry I don't always talk so much because uh, I'm learning just as you guys are. But uh, I try to ask the the questions that you might ask uh, if you were here. That's that's my thing. Uh, I just want to I just want to ask for audience participation one more time. Let's see if this is the episode that gets the most comments ever. Guys, <laughs> comment your favorite thing about Josh in the comments. Oh right god. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. What, what's uh, what's J- Jocko's little guy? What's uh, uh, Echo Charles. Echo Charles, yeah. He's um, a, he ain't no little guy. Yeah, I know. I know he's buff. <laughs> I'm the Echo Charles of, of the David the Dog Trainer <clears throat> podcast. That's right. All right, so let's get back to this. Okay. Um, the, oh, Jesus. the recent episodes about dog training wars are really hitting home. When I first started listening to your show, I had recently adopted a rescue pit bull with tons of behavior issues. I was committed to force-free training, but things were going downhill fast. As I began to learn more about balanced training methods, your podcast became an incredibly valuable resource to learn about animal behavior, training principles, and hear from a wide variety of trainers. I even hired one of the trainers that you interviewed. We'll talk about that in a minute. That was pretty cool. Did a board and train with them, and it has changed my life and my dog's life in an exceedingly positive way. Let's go. Okay, before I move on to the next part of this, let's let's talk about this for a second. Another point I want to put out there to the last thing we were talking about, which was, does balanced dog training make things worse? I want to make sure I'm being fair about this and say, I also don't believe that force-free training makes behavioral issues worse either. I think you run into the same exact symptoms, which mm-hmm. is... If you're not addressing your problems, right, those behaviors can obviously intensify just due to not addressing those problems, right? Mm-hmm. But that would just be, you probably weren't following your force-free trainer's instructions on management good enough, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, you know, this person said, you know, they were committed to force-free training, but things were going downhill fast. And, you know, with any training approach you do, mm-hmm. right, if you're, not, if you're not really dedicated to it and understanding how to manage your dog on top of the training, mm-hmm. you know... The natural progression of your dog's behavior getting worse can just happen. Yeah. Right? So this is not just a balanced dog training, but fuck force-free training. That'll make your behavioral issues worse, too. This is with any training. I think it really winds up being a coincidence more than anything Mm -hmm. if your behavioral issues get, quote-unquote, worse post-attempting any sort of training. True. Um, So the second thing, she hired one of the trainers we interviewed, so I asked her. I said, who did you wind up hiring? And um, she hired Hoosier Canine. Hey! Joey. She's out in the Chicago area, and oh, she okay. wound up hiring Hoosier Canine. She said she had a really great experience, and I actually reached out to Joey about it. I was like, yo! And he was like, oh, damn, I didn't know she found out about me through the podcast. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. So whatever. Let's go. So that was pretty cool, right? And again, listen, Joey's somebody that trains very, very, very differently than we do also, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we talked about him. Like, he is, he is much more in the direction of being a force-free trainer than he is a fucking you know, what we do, right? Whatever that is, you know, we're both balanced dog trainers, but very different ends of the spectrum with Mm -hmm. it, right? And I'm sure there's plenty of things that both him and I would look at each other and be like, I don't like that. I don't like that, Mm -hmm. right? But guess what? He was still able to fucking help this client. That's all I give a shit about. Mm -hmm. That's it. I don't care how you do it as long as you help him. Yep. Okay. So this leads me to my main question about what it really means when a dog is quote unquote shut down. My dog has always been pretty mellow. Some might even say lazy. It seems like the more training we do, the higher her threshold for arousal becomes. She still loves to play, and I know she loves training because of the accompanying engagement and attention. But a lot of days, she mostly sleeps. Hold on. She mostly sleeps, and sometimes I worry that she is depressed or shut down. What does a shut-down dog actually look like? How do dogs get to that point? Also, thank you so much for not sponsoring the podcast and filling it with annoying, crappy ads. 
I got it was that emoji. That one. Yeah. I think this is technically high five, right? Isn't that what it is? I, I don't know. I think it's high five, but I'm I'm not. I'm actually almost positive it's high five. But I look at it as the praying hands. Yeah, I think high five's this one where they're like crossed. Who high fives like that? Nobody. Nobody but... high fives like this. <laughs> it's th- people high five like this, like up yeah. top. I don't know. Let me check. Up the... top. I have to look. Um... I'm pretty sure that's it. Okay. <laughs> All right, so this uh, it actually kind of works out how both of these are under the guise of like what people have problems with balanced dog training by like oh shut down you're gonna shut down the dogs this that okay so here's the thing guys right I look at what Uh, I put in high five and it was this one there ain't no fucking way that one I look at like raise the roof yeah raise the roof. Hell yeah. Let's okay, go. Sorry, sorry. Continue. <laughs> okay, so so I shut down to me is kind of a frustrating, annoying term a little bit. Because okay. I feel like it has been just absolutely fucking taken over by the opposing sides of dog training to basically imply that if your dog does anything other than look ridiculously in drive all the time, that they're shut down, which equals they're scared, which equals they're depressed, which equals you did a shitty job of training, right? Now, what what could we say, you know, what, what do I say that shutdown is, right? So shutdown is commonly associated with learned helplessness, mm-hmm. right? Learned helplessness meaning that the dog realizes they are helpless in avoiding whatever type of sensation that they're trying to avoid, right? Mm. Now, we talked in the past about the learned helplessness studies and how, like, unethical and bullshit that they are of, like, basically electrifying a floor, cutting off the dog's exit or the animal's exit to the electrified floor and seeing how long they tried to escape before they just gave in and said, I can't can't stop anymore, right? exactly. But... I think learned helplessness is another term that has been kind of hijacked a little bit by the opposing side to make it seem like it's always some really terrible thing. So mm-hmm. so so let's let's look at this from the standpoint of like what vets do, right? I was just at the vet yesterday with all of my dogs. They were there for their exams, right? Mm-hmm. And Waffles needed to get some blood drawn, right? Mm-hmm. And what happened is they grabbed his arm and they went to go put the needle in and somebody kind of held him and he was squirming, squirming and they kept holding him and then finally he... <sighs> He stopped, Mm -hmm. right? We could argue, and we could, I could feel like 99.9% confident and say that Waffles entered a state of learned helplessness where he realized that he could not fight the pressure of the person restricting him anymore, Mm -hmm. right? So now we just need to ask ourselves the question of, was that, is that bad? (laughs) Yeah. Right? Is that a bad thing? That he realized that, well, when the vet is trying to hold me still to examine me or give me a shot or a vaccine or something like that, I can't fight it and I need to just sit there and take it, right? Yeah. I would argue that that's a good thing. I would too. Right? Um, Other examples of it, right? Uh, If your dog is bucking and pulling on the leash repeatedly because they're trying to get away from like like that situation where where I took the dog's leash and removed them from the owner and he started freaking out to try to stop that sensation of me removing him from the owner mm-hmm. and basically I needed to ride it out until he realized that all those things you're trying yeah. to do right now to stop this pressure the pressure being me taking him away from the owner mm-hmm. does not work um, we could argue that that is a state of learned helplessness that that dog enters, mm-hmm. which is simply that it's not going to work, right? right? Sorry, dude. You got to stay here with me right now. Mm-hmm. Is that a bad thing? That's the next question we need to ask. 
I don't really think so, yeah. right? If he learns that dangerous behaviors do not work to try to get you away from something that it is you want to get you away from, I, I, I don't want that. I don't want that to be the case. No, right? So we, you could also again swap learned helplessness with shutdown, right? Waffles shut down at the vet when the vet tech was holding him, mm. right? This dog shut down on the leash when he realized that he couldn't jump and try to bite me to try to get away from me to get back to his owners, yep. right? If I'm doing a dog's nails and they try to squirm to get away and I don't let them get away, that dog shuts down and allows me to do the nails, right? Mm -hmm. And this is why I don't like the term because it sounds so bad. But if you really yeah. break it down and you just look at the situation and we just say, tried to squirm to get away at the vet, realized he couldn't get away, we would say, okay, cool, that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, was doing this dog's nails. Dog tried to scream and throw a tantrum and get away from me and then realized that they couldn't and then sat there and let me do the nails. That's mm. not that big of a deal. Grabbed the leash and removed a dog from the owner to start training them. They started freaking out and then they realized that they couldn't freak out and try to bite me to get away. That's not that big of a deal, mm. right? But when you attach the terms to it, it becomes a negative. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yep. So this is how I look at things like shut down. Mm -hmm. Right now, then you get to the other side of the conversation, which is past. That is my definition of that. Right. Shut down to me is kind of learned helplessness. Right. Learned helplessness to me is all of those different examples I described, plus many more. And listen, there's examples I'm sure we can come up with that are bad examples, like the study of electrifying a floor and not letting an animal get off of the floor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a bad example. But we don't want the dog to enter a state of learned helplessness for that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But these other examples are not as big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Right. <clears throat> um, then you get into the other question, which is why does this person think their dog is becoming yeah. shut down? This person thinks the dog is shut down because unfortunately, a lot of the force free side is brainwashing people to think that if a dog doesn't look ears perked up, confident body language, literally 24 hours out of the day, that there's something wrong with them. Mm hmm. Which is bullshit. Yeah. 100%. And, and that doesn't even need debated. My yeah. pit bulls sleep 20 hours of the fucking day. Yeah. That's all they do. They lay down. They sleep. When your dog is laying down sleeping, do they look super engaged? No. <laughs> I hope not. But they're pit bulls. They sleep yeah. all the time. Right? Um, when I go for a walk with my dogs, my dogs generally have their ears relaxed back. Their tail is not super high and alert because... I don't want them in this like scanning hunting state of mind. I want them focused on me and I want to make sure that they're behaving themselves. Yeah. Right. But a lot of people would look at that and be like, well, your dogs aren't happy. And I'd say, well, now's not the time for them to be happy. Now's the time for them to get some exercise out. Mm -hmm. Right. Do I look like that? Josh, you and I have went to the gym for the last couple of weeks together. <laughs> Do either of us look ridiculously happy when we're struggling to get our last <laughs> couple sets up when we're doing a fucking bench press or some shit <laughs> no. no right but that's not the time for us to have fun yeah. and be super happy I mean, we could argue you know is the gym fun or whatever you know what i mean yeah but, but the, fun, the but... fact of the matter is that's not the intent of going there yeah right yeah now playtime in the yard yeah i would like for my dogs to have a good time mm -hmm. and go do what they want to do whether that's exploring whether that's sniffing around whether it's chasing a ball whether it's engaging and playing a game with me right i'd like for mm -hmm. them to look happy in those situations mm -hmm. but it's not like you know, it's not like if they don't want to play that game in that moment that they're depressed and they're sad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It just means that maybe they'd rather do something else. There's plenty of times yeah. I go I go outside and my dogs would just much rather go wander around in the yard. Or like one of their favorite things to do is go off in the middle of the grass in the middle of the yard and they all just kind of lounge out there. 
Yeah. Right. And they just like are sitting there and just chilling, half falling asleep, and they're not super perked up and stuff. And that's just what they want to do. Yeah. And the problem is, we've just we've we've we have not normalized calm dogs being okay. We've mm. normalized that dogs aren't happy unless they're bouncing off the fucking roof and jumping all over people and all jacked up all the time and stuff like that. Like mm. we've normalized that as like what your dog should look like all the time, which is just not real life. Yeah. Right? Even when like 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 I used to do uh competition dog training, right? Mm-hmm. When I used to do competition dog training, our training sessions would be like three to five minutes long because we knew that it is impossible for a dog to stay in a heightened state of drive and stay attentive for that much longer than that regularly. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's just it's not real life. Yeah. Right? So we keep the session short and sweet, and then outside of that, the dogs are just chilling. Mm-hmm. So don't forget the depressed thing. Forget the sad thing. They're not. Yeah. I promise you they're not. And I promise you, if you were to look critically at your day-to-day, there's probably plenty of places where your dogs are happy and content and excited. And that's the other thing, too. Content is another big one, right? When I look at yourself as a human, right, and look at all of your experiences you've ever had before, right, and... I would say that I am the happiest when I am in a, in a state of being content. Mm-hmm. When I'm chill, I'm not, I'm not anticipating something really exciting happening. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife and I are just hanging, last night we were just hanging out on the front porch, just chilling. Mm-hmm. We're not super amped up, right? Mm-hmm. We're not bouncing off the walls. We're not going for freaking runs and jogging and doing <laughs> backflips and like yeah. all this kind of stuff and, and everything's all emotional and great. You know, like we're just... Yeah. Just hanging out. It's just great. It's like we're just looking around. Like this is nice. The weather's great, right? Got a drink. We're just casually talking. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. those are the the times when I'm at most peace, right? And happiest is mm-hmm. states like that. And people love to humanize things with dogs, which is why I'm equating this. And I would argue that there are no better times for my dogs than when we're all just together, hanging out in the yard. There's nothing crazy exciting going on. They're comfortable enough to go take a nap in the grass or mm-hmm. go sunbathe in the sun for a little bit, right? And maybe we'll go for a walk later, right? Maybe mm-hmm. that's not even a high drive. And then maybe we'll go for a five-minute intense off-leash run with them or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, But the large, large majority of any dog trainer's life with their dogs is when the dog is in a state of content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I was, it's funny, you you were kind of almost using the same examples I was thinking of, but when, when you get home, you're what, like, when you get home into your safe space, you know, it's like, this is my house, and yeah, you, you put on the PJs, you sit on the couch, like, you feel like at peace, you You feel safe, (sighs) yeah, you feel good, yeah, and like, after training, like, how do you think your dog feels now? Like, hey, everything's under control. Everything's good in here. Like, they can finally just peace. We put so much emphasis on the play, mm-hmm. right? There's so many trainers out there, like play-based trainers. Nothing, nothing against play, right? Nothing against yeah. play in your training and stuff like that. It's all, it's all fine and dandy. But we put so much emphasis on like that's the key to having a great relationship with your dog. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just, I just don't agree with that. No. I think it's a great thing to do. I think you absolutely can build a relationship with your dog that way. But just being at peace with each other, Mm -hmm. there's a reason why people like 
escape to secluded places, away from all the energy, Mm -hmm. away from all the constant stimulation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and just, just, just Mm. chill. Yeah. You know, is 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 because that's what at our nature humans and animals want. You know, some sort of a sense of purpose, which can come in the form of jobs. And jobs don't always mean I'm doing these things because I love doing these things. It means you feel like you have something that, that you have to get done, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's working out for some people, right? Whether it's your, your dogs having some structure in their lives, which to me, I talk about in the past, you know, structure just means routines that they have to follow, mm-hmm. right? Um but past that, like you could overdo the stimulation sometimes. Like the people get so hung up on seeing their dog happy and engaged and attentive and stuff all the time. You can create, excuse me, you can create a neurotic mess of a dog by focusing too much on that mm-hmm. and not enough on the. Whew, 100%. You know? Yeah. So I think, yeah, just look at it as your dog's finally comfortable enough to be able to just chill and take a nap. You know, I think that's a great, that's a great last way to put it. Yeah. So I think you did everything right. Maybe, yeah, it's totally different, but you know, it's, I think it's a good end result. Take away some of your expectations sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just when, when there's not any problems at play, Mm -hmm. right? Meaning like there's nothing, no big roadblocks that your dog is doing that are, that are in the way Mm -hmm. by any means. Um, Take away your expectations sometimes and just let your dogs be dogs, meaning let them do what it is they want to do. Mm-hmm. And if they want to fucking sleep all the time, that's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. totally, totally fine. Yeah. Especially, you said from Chicago, right? Chicago area. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure it's always hustly bustly every time they go on a walk anywhere. I don't know if they're downtown or in the burbs, but either way. Yeah. It's a great know, point too. There's probably a lot going on. So when you get home, it's just like, oh, this is the safe space. This is like, all right, and I can just yeah. relax, you know? Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. Those are two good little questions to wrap on. Yeah, that was a good one. I liked it. All right. Well, guys, it's been a while since we've had a solo episode like this. Yeah. This is good. This is another thing we talked about on Jeff's show is, you know, when I started this podcast, I really wanted, I wanted to just kind of, kind of talk to the people. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I want to just, just talk, right? Yeah. And like, get you guys into my brain of, of, of how I look at living with animals and working with animals. Yeah, for and, sure. You know, and, and, and help kind of relay that to people, you mm-hmm. know. And, and I love doing the uh, the interview episodes and giving people that perspective and stuff. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think these are the kinds of episodes that people really learn some stuff from. Yeah, you know? for sure. Or have takeaways from, I should say. Mm-hmm. Breaking it down. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, anything else? No, that's it for me. All right, guys. We'll hope you enjoy this episode, and we'll catch you next time. See ya.